Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. With filthy mouths and bad attitudes. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris, as always, is Parker, and we watched The Northman. Now, uh, we were going to do an episode on Ghost Shark, but Alex did not show up. He, he's apparently very busy. I believe his exact words went as follows. He's obviously very stressed Classic. Out, so. Classic, Alex. <laughs> so, Man loves a good rant. Yeah, he does. Well, uh, I hope that at some point he gets to see the Northman because it's very, very good. Uh, I cannot tell if he would really dig it or 20 minutes in he'd be like, oh yeah, fuck this, I'm not watching two more hours of this. Uh, you know what, that's it's actually a real a coin point. flip for me. It's a real... That 220 doesn't feel that long, but yeah, it really could go either way with him. I'm not here to speak for him, but I believe the, the point where he tapped out on A24 was the lighthouse. He was just like, ah, forget it. And I know that The Northman is not an A24 movie, but it feels like it at a lot of points. Yeah, uh, which is probably which is not to disparage him and be like, "Wow, he wouldn't like this great movie." It's different mm-hmm. strokes for different folks. Oh yeah, I this understand. is definitely not for. I watch a lot of garbage. Like I will never yeah. cast judgment on someone else's taste, like, oh, yeah. unless you like Ready Player One. But we've been over that. But yeah, right. Exactly. That's the one. Speaks for itself. <laughs> uh, Parker, before we get into this, do we have any news in the world of film? Or do you think about the Hot Wheels thing? <sighs> I don't give a fuck about Hot Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently just enjoying uh, Netflix just absolutely crashing and burning and be like, hey guys, by the way, stop sharing passwords. Like, man, you have <laughs> really <laughs> taken the wrong stance. The literal only reason I still pay for Netflix is because enough people share it that I would feel guilty canceling it. Like, it goes up like every two years and there's less watchable shit every day. It's insane. Yeah, it's so expensive. I actually had to cancel it for that and a bunch of other. I realized I just wasn't really using it that much. I think no, it's like, like, I don't give a fuck about Stranger Things. Who cares? Yeah. I think it's like the least essential streaming service. At this point, HBO Max oh, has usurped it. Amazon Prime has usurped it. At least with Paramount Amazon Plus Prime, is it's better. Yeah. yeah. Just, just Paramount has the those. entire MTV backlog. That is priceless. Beavis and Butthead, Jersey Shore, Jackass. Like That is right way off. better yeah, than yeah. any of their originals that they dump out on a Friday... If you don't watch it by Monday, no one remembers it, and they just cancel it. So even if you bother getting invested, it doesn't matter. Fuck you. I don't watch yeah. Netflix shows anymore. Like, unless right. it's a well, limited series, and it says that. Like, unless yeah. it's one of those, like, haunting of insert thing there. I'm no, not going to no. bother spending ten hours to get invested in something. They're just going to cancel it. Why would you? Yeah. You know, this I sounds weird, but so I think what would really help them is, like, more of the documentary-style stuff, like, real stuff that happened. Like, I think Tiger King was a big uh, hit for them. If you do stuff like that, or, like... I, I know it wasn't for them. I know it wasn't a Netflix thing, but uh, that Michael Jordan thing and, like, the, the Bulls and the, the Last Dance or whatever that was, if you do stuff like that, I wouldn't be surprised if more people gravitate towards it. Uh, anyway, that's all she watches on it is true crime docs. That's oh, all she yeah. watches. See, I she doesn't even that's... like true crime as much as most people because, uh, like most things, uh, white girls have taken that, made it their personality. So now it's just right, yeah. <laughs> impossible to talk about. But like, yeah, oh, why would you? There's no point. Oh, cool. Yeah. There's a big mouth spinoff. Put a gun in oh, my face. I beg on. you. So the other, they have another solution. They're gonna go with this one instead of my solution. Netflix's solution is to introduce a lower pricing tier that still gives you advertisements when you watch stuff. Oh, <laughs> absolutely fucking <laughs> so. You can charge me 25 a month if you bring back Xbox Party Watch. Legitimately one of my favorite summers of my entire life. At any point, you would just log on Xbox and if like, there weren't enough people to form like a good lobby in Halo, someone would just go to Netflix and pick out some dog shit horror movie. Yeah. 
Like that night when we made our good friend RJ get really, really high, and then we put on The Shining, and he almost had a nervous breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) Or that night we were like, hey, you want to play? I'm kind of tired of Gears of War. You want to watch Commando? And there was just six of us watching Commando. And then watching Kangaroo Jack and Fight. <laughs> I would pay a premium. Like, time bandwidth be damned. Who cares? It's Microsoft and Netflix. You have the money. Give yeah. it back to us. Yes. Well, I don't know what they're thinking or if they're thinking. But I also don't know. Maybe it's kind of overstated. I don't think Netflix is going to just die off. I think it's just going to sort of retreat. And it's just going to kind of be there in the background. Like Ask Jeeves. So, Parker, do we have any other news? <laughs> um. I don't know, every two days I open my phone to the movie news and see insert property getting adapted by insert director who once made interesting movies. It's just, makes me sad. Yeah. uh, Shout out to the Northman getting a $90 million budget, because that's never going to happen again now. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, I saw RWA posted that the, uh, the Mario movie got pushed back by like, I don't know, like a year or something like that. And probably a good idea because no one cares about it yet. Another movie where I should look at it and just throw your hands up like, yeah, I guess. Yep, sure. pretty much. That's 90 minutes. It's whatever. It'll be in and out. It's not going to be that painful. Yeah. Like, have a, why have self-control? Yeah. Do you have a jerk of the week? Because I don't think I have a jerk of the week. Oh, I do. Oh, let's hear it. Oh, fuck. I can't believe you've done this. So uh, this this will go into what I watched later, but the important part is... uh. Two very good friends of ours got into a house. They're like, oh my god, we should celebrate. Uh, but they also said, hey, we don't have internet yet, so we just have to watch like movies we have here. Which, of course, uh, led to me going to Redbox and picking up Venom 2 and taking it over there. Because I yes. am a menace. But uh, near the end of the night, um, we're arguing about what to put on next. We've been ab- just drinking. We've housed like four pizza boxes. We just need something on as noise. And he suggests Furious 7. And I am all in. Like, I'm ready. Like, fucking pop this on. You could not have a better movie for mm-hmm. this. Our girlfriends go, no, no, no. Put on Spirited Away. Put on not Spirited on. Away. And he relents. He puts on Spirited Away. As he hits play, they say, hey, we're going to go out back and smoke. And they're out there for 45 minutes. That I could have been watching Furious <laughs> 7. This goddamn <laughs> Studio Ghibli movie is on at low volume. We, we could have turned it off. But we seem like, oh, they're going to come in any minute now and actually watch. No. And then we left before it was over because I got tired. <laughs> I I will never relent again. And that is why I will control the remote from now on. And I will make her life miserable. This is an injustice. We could have christened his new house, his first home, with one of the greatest films of all time. Instead, you watch Spirited Away. Well... My jerk of the week is a... Just a sit out back and... Mm. That's all right. My jerk of the week is a short one. I just thought of it. Uh, my dad texted me. He watched the new Batman movie, which is on streaming now. I'm not quite sure how he did it, because I don't Uh-oh. think he has HBO Max. Isn't oh, it on no. HBO Max, or... Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, God. What do you say about Oh, no, no. He, oh, no. He said, I wouldn't rate it anything better than a C, which, I'm sorry. And Any single time anyone gives, like, a letter grade to a movie... Or says, oh, four out of five, or, or whatever like that. I can't engage with it, because it's so lazy. Like, if you don't want to text me your whole breakdown of it, fine, sure, whatever. But if you just say, yeah, it was a C plus. Like, that doesn't mean anything to me. So congratulations to my dad for getting stuckmanized. <laughs> I need two yeah. sentences. It can, a star rating or a letter grade can follow. I need a pro and a con. You need to give yeah, me something if you, to work with. If you don't with. like that, she you're just made me like I give it a C. I'm not going to type back yeah. why. I'm not going to oh, ask no, you I'm why you're not going to do that. If you don't like, care I was to driving. Type it, I'm not engaging. Yeah. Also, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Guess we're done. You might as well have just yeah. sent K. I've talked for two and a half no hours point. about it, but it's it's okay. You didn't like it. <sighs> well, uh, let's move on to what we watched recently. I've I have been waiting to talk about this one for a while. Uh, Parker, I'm going to ask you oh, a question yeah. you already know the answer to. Uh, that I already know the answer mm-hmm. to. Parker, are you familiar with William Castle? It is one of my dreams in life to have a real William Castle theater right? experience. Oh my god, so... I love that man William so Castle, much. I think the only reason that his movies weren't featured on MST3K is because they're too obviously tongue-in-cheek. 
Uh, also, they, they can be a little dialogue heavy at times, but he was a director in the late 1950s, early 1960s for Hollywood, and he was especially good at ripoffs. Now, he didn't make good movies, but he made movies that were on time and under budget, and uh, studio executives care about that more than they do about quality. I understand it. Hey, they got money behind it. Fine. Whatever. Uh, but he his movies weren't especially popular because people tend to like good things, even back in the 1950s. So he had to come up with... Well, so he had to come up with gimmicks to sell movies. <laughs> uh, one of the gimmicks he came up with was for The Tingler, which I actually saw in theaters with Trace Ballou and uh, Frank Conniff. But it didn't have this gimmick in it. The gimmick was uh, he would put like electric buzzers underneath the seats and they would buzz every single time there's like a scary scene or something like that. And you think about it and you're like, what was that just like one theater, like a theater where William Castle would be going to? It's like, no, he mandated this for every single theater that he went to. Uh, I don't know how you could do that. I, I will admit that there were fewer movie theaters in America in, the, in like 1959 than there are now. But, like, can you imagine someone says, oh, if you want to show this movie, make sure you buy these electric buzzers and put them under the seats and, like, scare people with that. <laughs> now, that being said... I yeah, would give anything, yeah. dude. He I wasn't the only anything. one who came up with gimmicks. I mean, 3D was seen as a gimmick back then. I think they came out a little bit before his time. And there was also, I think, one theater did, like, Smell-O-Vision or something like that. Uh, I, I have not <laughs> researched that. That's a different college paper. Uh, but Alfred Hitchcock sorta of did one for a movie that came out after The Tingler in 1960 called Psycho. He put a little standee out there that you're supposed to show uh, by the theater, and it had Alfred Hitchcock pointing at his watch saying that he respectfully requests theater management not to allow anyone into the movie after the first, I don't know, 10-15 minutes. Uh, because if you do that, then it ruins your movie-going experience. And he also said, please... Please do not reveal the end of Psycho to anyone, uh, because then it spoils their enjoyment of it. And uh, there's an early like spoiler warning or uh, spoiler, I don't know, request, and that worked. It was a it was a good uh, gimmick, and also Psycho's a good movie, so people went to see it. Willem Castle saw that and was just like, ah, I can do that, and he made a movie called Homicidal. Parker, did you read the Wikipedia for Homicidal? I'm hoping no. I, okay. I did not. I could tell Dude, you were very excited. And this I is like the greatest story. So before I talk about the movie itself, which by the way, actually we're talking about, this whole gimmick is incredible. Okay, so uh, ba Homicidal is a ripoff of Psycho, and uh, he didn't he didn't just have the ripoff of Don't Reveal the Ending. He did something a little bit beyond that. He said, don't reveal the end of this movie or your friends will kill you. And if they don't, I will. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, Fuck yes. <laughs> so, this is a this is a true story. All right, I'm going to have someone say this on the record, oh, yeah? okay, to prove this is a true story. So you go into the theaters, right, and you're watching the movie, and it's, you know it's pretty good, and you get up to the climax. It's leading up where the uh, the final girl is walking into the house where the psychotic killer is. And right when she's about to walk up to the door, a clock appears on screen. And the clock starts ticking, and William Castle's voice is heard. ADR Danny says, this is the fright clock. And you now have 60 seconds to leave this theater before the scary moment of the movie. Now, as this was going on, this was oh mandated God. in the theaters. Oh my God. They, this that this is where it starts people if they were too scared of this scary movie by William Castle would stand up and they would follow yellow footsteps painted on the ground outside to a yellow box outside of the theater like in the lobby or something like that where there would be a nurse with one of those like blood pressure like things to like make sure that like their heart rate is okay Meanwhile, while they're doing that, there is a spotlight in the theater that's, like, pointing at them. And you hear a voice from up in the audience going, Look at the cowards! Look at them! Check it out! The place where they're going in the lobby is called <laughs> Coward's Corner. The people in the audience are, like, throwing trash at them and jeering at them. <laughs> 
Oh my god. I would give anything. No, it gets even better, dude, because, like, you're manning this in all the theaters that you're showing this to, which, uh, by the way, this is working. Uh, people actually went to see Amazon, I'll just give her this fucking gimmick. Uh, I would yeah. see it tomorrow. Yeah. Are you kidding so, me? So, uh, if you check it out, I think you could. I think you could get your money back. But like, people a don't want trash them being called the chicken in the spotlight on you. But also, uh, so people what people do is they would see it once and then they'd go see it again and then get their money back, which uh, doesn't actually work out financially. But it was the 1960s; no one knew better. So, apparently, like you know, you showed this all these different theaters. Like, a lot of people just wouldn't check it out because they want to see the movie. And also, it's the 1960s. The movie's not going to be that scary. So, they would have one plant in the audience for a lot of these. At least one plant. And, like, that guy, can you imagine being the plant for Homicidal? Being like, uh, here we go. You have to get up and the people yell at you and call you a chicken and a coward. And, like, you're just hoping to pray and one <laughs> other person is scared along with you and will leave. Now, who am I going to quote on the record that of this is my happening? Dream job. None other than famous director and friend of the show, John Waters. John Waters was actually at one of these shows. It. it was just like, yeah, it was like one of the greatest gimmicks I've ever seen in my life. I think one of the other gimmicks that uh, that William Castle, if yeah, <laughs> that was like a big one for me. It was just like I'm never going to have the theater experience. You always say, Parker, we have to go back. How far back can we go? Please, I would... <laughs> I like, uh... What's the last horror movie you saw in a theater? Wow, good question. Or just, uh, you know, generalize one of the last ones. No, I, I don't know. I fucking... <laughs> <laughs> I, is it a... It might be Don't Breathe. Now imagine you go to see Don't yeah. Breathe, right? You get your ticket, you get your popcorn, and you walk up. And sitting outside is a nurse who has a piece of paper that says, sign this, that way we're not liable in case you die of fright. <laughs> Aren't you immediately having a better day? Like, why so can't we go back to yeah, that? yeah, that was one of his original gimmicks. That was his most famous gimmick, saying, if you die of fright, we have you insured with your ticket for $1,000 with Lloyds of London. Now, no one's ever died of fright in a movie. It's... <laughs> but that gimmick worked. People were just like, cool. oh, cash out. What if I die? I... <laughs> uh, and anyway, people would go see it. Then uh, he had another one. This is another movie that I watched called Mr. Sardonicus, uh, which is basically, uh, you know, the Joker? Yeah, that's him. Um, yeah. Oh, that guy who likes crime and thinks basically. it's funny? I don't know. He's stuck with a permanent uh, smile on his face. Uh, I don't even remember what the gimmick was for Mr. Sardonicus. The movie is not very good. I actually like Homicide, so I'm going to keep talking about this. Is Homicidal a good movie? No. But it is worth talking about. So, uh, I almost don't want to... I wonder if this if I should spoil this. Because I, I do have to spoil it in order to talk about it. I'm going to do it anyway. But the movie's not that good. And also, you can kind of guess it as you're watching it. Okay. So, Homicidal starts off... And there's like a platinum blonde woman. And she wants to marry this guy who she just met. And she says, look, I'll give you like $1,000 if you do this. Maybe $10,000. I don't even know. It's a lot of money that she's going to give this guy. Like, what's, she, what's, what's going on here? Anyway, uh, the justice of the piece that they go to gets too close to her. I think he tries to kiss her and she ends up stabbing him. The guy's like, whoa, good thing I didn't marry her. She escapes. So you know who the killer is. It's this woman, platinum blonde hair. Uh, she's a psychotic killer. Watch out for her. Right away, it gives away like who the killer is, which is very anti-Hitchcock. But that's okay. We're going somewhere. Again, this is rip off of Psycho. So, uh, this woman's living somewhere, I don't know what's going on there. We'll skip over to a, a new character gets introduced, a character named Warren, who is basically a cryptid. This guy looks like, he, he's very, uh, he's, he's smaller in stature, he's very thin, he's got like a short crew cut haircut, and uh, he kind of looks like a wuss, but there's something about him, there's two things about him. One, he's, there's something fucked up with his teeth or his lips. He's got, like, the thing where he can't quite close his lips, so he's like this the whole movie. But he's not talking like this, like, Grandpa and Susterin. He's he's talking <laughs> like this. There's someone very clearly ADRing over his voice. And you're watching, like, they're not... Are they doing that? What are, what are they gonna do? Uh, well, uh, as it turns out, 
when uh, the lead actress went to audition for the part of the killer with the platinum blonde hair, they said, okay, cool, you, great, you got the part, now we just need to audition to find the, uh, the guy. She walked out, got a haircut, really short, put on some men's clothes, walked right back in there, auditioned for the male's part, and uh, got it. And no one knew that it was the same actress until she revealed, like, hey, it's me. Hell and she yeah. did this in 1961. And public mores back then were so different from what they are right now. Like, Glenn Close can go ahead and do that now, and she gets an Academy Award. Doing that back then, it was really controversial. Here's the alarming thing. I knew that that was what they were going for. Like, you can kind of tell as you're watching the movie, like, oh, that's a dual role sort of thing. It's, uh, I guess, kind of like Sleepaway Camp, I guess. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah? Your favorite. But in this one, I was like, boy, I... That doesn't look like her, though. I, I get she's wearing, like, a prosthetic for, like, the teeth or something like that. And she obviously that's a blonde wig. But it doesn't look like the same person. I don't, I don't get how you do that. Until she actually puts on the wig and puts on the prosthetic. You're just like, how the fuck? She's just really good at passing as a guy. Uh, so I was actually fairly impressed. And uh, as far as rip-offs of Psychos goes, it's... It's, I think it's a little bit more violent than Psycho. It's uh, At times it gets pretty exciting. Again, it's not a very good movie, but it's worth watching, or, or at least worth reading up about. So I do actually recommend it, especially when you get to the part with the Fright Clock. You should watch it like, with your friends and make your own Fright Corner. <laughs> Throw trash at them. That sounds incredible. I just want to talk yes. about William Castle movies for yes, the next five dude. hours. Did you ever watch the original 13 Ghosts? I don't think Ghosts? I did, no. Oh my god, that might be in my future. Like it, like it's not good, but the gimmick of like having all of the characters filmed with like a blue tint, and then the ghost with the red tint. So they handed out glasses, and if the ghosts were too scary, you could just look through the blue one and not see any of the ghosts. Oh, that reminds me. Love that reminds so me of much. what the uh, of what the gimmick was for Mister Sardonicus. You go in there. This is actually one that they could pull off at the Alamo, although it would be effectively worthless. And I'll I'll show you why. Uh, he he handed out for every single ticket. You got a uh, a card with um, a thumbs up on it or a thumbs down on it, and uh, you would either show the thumbs up or a thumbs down at a certain moment in the movie. Okay, so it's basically the the movie has ended, and William Castle himself appears on screen. He liked to do that sort of thing, and he would say, "Okay, so the movie's over, but it's not quite over, right?" Mister Sardonicus never actually got his uh, his comeuppance. So, what do you think? Should we punish him? Yes or no? Should we give him his hellish end? Uh, what, what say you, the audience? And he would look out at the screen. If you were holding up a thumbs up, then uh, he would live and he'd be happy or something like that. And if you're holding a thumbs down, oh, punishment time. Like, you know, Roman Coliseum sort of thing. And this is where the, I think a lot of film historians are, like, kind of stupid. Uh it was very obviously scripted that he was going to choose the punishment one because this is a horror movie and this is what William Castle does. So he was assuming yeah, no that shit. every yeah you think he brought an extra that's, real that's film? exactly it's fucking William every Castle. single person like we get, oh, film stories are like people have searched endlessly for another version of of his ending but it has never surfaced like. No fucking kidding! If you want, you can't edit. He's not actually on the screen. That's just they shot him with a camera. He knew what he was doing. It's very, very obvious when you watch it what he's trying to do. Uh, it's still like kind of entertaining, and I, I think if you were like a little kid watching it, uh, then maybe you would fall for that sort of thing. Now you could do this at the Alamo, but like I said, it's kind of a waste of your time. Uh, also, Mister Sardarkus isn't really good enough to watch but uh anyway <laughs> bring back gimmicks man i like gimmicks i i like that idea i think that's one of the coolest ideas i've ever heard for homicidal in particular uh i liked it quite a bit yeah <laughs> i want to go back so badly yeah. I go back so bad dude <laughs> all right moving on into more lighthearted territory uh when i watched everything everywhere all at once i watched it at the alamo one of the pre-show things was about asian americans in film and the history of asian americans in film and it's very interesting. It's very different from African Americans in film and uh, Hispanic people in film. Uh, they have, Asian Americans have their own history, and uh, sometimes it's not always the nicest. Uh, one of the earliest roles for Asians in film was uh, Broken Blossoms, also known as The Yellow Man and the Girl. It's not, uh. not quite as tasteful as I would have liked. <laughs> 
Sounds it's a good. very good movie, but uh, I'm gonna change that title there. For the most part, they were they were cast with like I think they would actually exaggerate the eye shape. They'd like they tape their eyes so they'd be more you know squinted and stuff, and usually portrayed as villains. Obviously, when World War II hit, they weren't treated the best, and there's a whole lot of calling them Orientals. And it's like great. That's... And uh, of course, who can forget Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> I knew it was going to come up. I thought I'd let you. Yeah, they actually showed that scene in there. I'm like, ah, don't make me look at that, please. Come on. Anyway, it's like we all know about it, but we're trying to celebrate something here. So one of the movies that they showed, which actually came out the same year as Breakfast at Tiffany's, really interested me. It was a Rodgers and Hammerstein, a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical named Flower Drum Song, and. Based on the reviews I've read about this, your mileage may vary. Some people said, no, that's racist. And other people were like, no, this is really great for our culture. This is this is so wonderful. This is a big step forward for movies in 1961. And I tend to agree more with the latter party. Uh, that being said, it's not the greatest musical of all time. The basic idea is, by the way, when you want to talk about principally Asian cast, there's like maybe one white guy in the background. No name, doesn't even have a line. It's mostly Asians in San Francisco, Chinatown, and it's uh, about uh, two Chinese immigrants come over to live in the United States, and uh, they want to marry off their daughter, but it's it's kind of tough. There's a, a lot of romance and disagreements in there. I, I thought it was really nice, and there's there, were, there was a line that really stuck with me. There was a, one of the lead actresses says, I'm proud to be Chinese, and I'm proud to be an American. And I thought, you know what? that's how you're going to win more people over i i i like it quite a bit and uh some of the songs were pretty decent it was well produced uh and i i like the acting that being said there's one character whose name i i don't recall i think he was on uh one of those detective shows in the 70s this asian guy looks practically like jackie chan and he talks like yogi bear I don't know why his voice sounds like that. Hey, I can't believe it. She looks like a Ming vase. You know what I'm talking about. Whoa. Like, the, the entire movie, he talks like this. He even sings in that voice. And I couldn't get over it. So that's why I'm talking about it on this podcast. Uh, let me see. What else am I going to talk about here? No, I'm not going to talk about Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. Although it was actually kind of good. Uh, instead, I am going to hand name. off to you. Oh, man, I bet Dr. Terror's house. You would enjoy good. it. It's got, dude, it's got Donald Sutherland, it's got Peter Cushing, and it's got Christopher Lee. Oh, my God. That's a good, cozy 75 minutes. Well, um, I didn't get to watch much this week. Uh, we watched half of Venom 2 before we went out to get more alcohol. Uh, we paused the movie, and when we came back, they had unpaused it, and we are like, eh, there's no point going back, it's fine. Venom wins. And then he watched the post credit scene, and uh, boy, mm-hmm. what a picture. Then we watched um, half of The Meg, and then we turned that off because it's uh, not good. Turns out uh, watching that at home and not in a theater is a uh, real nosediving quality. The only other thing I watched... Chris, have you seen The Quick and the Dead? Uh, could you say that again? Your your audio's kind of skipping. I think your connection's kind of spotty. All right, say it again. Oh, the beans. Queen of the Dead? Me... No, oh, the, the Quick, Quick and, and the, the Dead, dead. from 1995. 1995. No, I have not seen that. So, uh, I did not know this movie existed. It's the movie Sam Raimi directed after Army of Darkness. It is so fucking good. You should 1 million percent watch this, it. I think you wait, would love it. I, I think I know about this. I think this was a trivia question. Is this like a Western and Leonardo DiCaprio's in it? Oh, yeah. So, uh, this was not his script. It's someone else's script. Uh, but the guy who wrote it, he was a big fan of, you know, spaghetti westerns and like, you know, the shootouts, mm-hmm. the thing everyone else loves. The thing that you watch a hundred minutes and then you get a five second shootout. And he was like, hey, what if the whole movie was the cool parts I like? So the entire movie is a quick draw tournament between shooters. Yo! <laughs> it is so good. Sharon Stone is the lead. I again never knew this movie existed. Sharon Stone is one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen in my life. She rolls into this town run by Gene Hackman, 
and also uh, reformed gunfighter and now preacher Russell Crowe in his first American movie. And he's the most attractive man I've ever seen. Yeah, in my there was life. a time where he was on top. It of is the world. unfair how hot he is. He mm-hmm. was so fucking hot. Now, what works so great about this movie? I mean, first of all, it's Sam Raimi directing yeah. shootouts, so it's yeah. incredibly good. But uh, the premise is like she gets into town. This is this is going on. Hey, by the way, we're gonna have a tournament. So when you think of something like Mortal Kombat, you have a lot of different characters. You don't want to get like stuck in the weeds on backstories. You don't care about any of this shit. So you just need all of them to stick out. So we just get a shitload of character actors. Like, ah, here's Tobin Bell, our good friend Jigsaw. Here's Mark Boone Jr. as a guy named Scars. You can guess why his name is Scars. Here's Keith David with a very silly mustache. Looking incredibly good. Here's Lance Henriksen as Ace Hanlon. A gunman who holds a deck of cards and adds an ace every time he kills someone. Lance Hendrickson with a pencil-thin mustache and long, oily black hair, doing flips off of horses and shooting cards. And of course, the kid, a very young Leo DiCaprio. So you just get all of these, even the people I don't list, you look at him, you're like, oh, I know that guy. And then it's just shootout after shootout it's a fucking march madness tournament of old-timey draws at high noon it is so good you would fucking love it sick okay i gotta watch that it is so sick i had never heard of this i had no idea it existed i've just been going through his this or not discography filmography in order i'm not excited for what follows this i not excited to watch for the love of the game. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. So I just assume like, oh, this is one of those like '90s things that he came out with before he yeah. got Spider-Man. But man, it is mm-hmm. so good. Like four stars, easy, a great time. Now, unfortunately, it's not the kind of dueling you're more familiar with now, in which you use the pot of Thank greed you. to draw two more cards. But I think it'll be a great time. And yeah, I think I think okay. that's it. Yeah, let's. Dude, okay, so, yeah, for the Northmen, uh, also important to talk about the director, so that's the real reason that everyone's so excited for this, because Robert Eggers, the director, previously did The Witch, which I loved, and The Lighthouse, which is also very, very good. And now the Northman, I, I, I gotta admit, I saw the trailers. So I was immediately I knew it was, and even before seeing Robert Eggers' name as the as a director, because it looks so cool. It looked like it looked like three hundred, but artistic. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is weird because uh, a lot of people said that three hundred was artistic when it came out, just because it used slow motion. <laughs> oh no, no, you just misheard them. <laughs> <laughs> but also there's a sick cast in this one uh you got alexander Skarsgård, who uh apparently ate 3700 calories every day in order to work out for the northman uh yeah <laughs> me too big deal uh bjork is in this who i had a big crush on when i was in school and uh well uh, anya taylor joy at this point uh always in a robert eggers movie which uh, i'm not going to complain about she's very pretty and she's very good at acting so uh, Nicole Kidman, who looks like a sourpuss the whole movie, uh, but she's very good at acting, so I will allow it. Who else is in this? Someone else is. Some other big name is in this. I know the dad from. Uh, I know the dad from The Witch is in this. Also, the dad from. Uh, a close personal friend, Willem Dafoe. Oh, right, yeah. Slash real yeah, Willem monster. Dafoe's in this one too, very briefly. God, it, the movie just opening with him talking about and. A prince like fighting at the gates of hell. You're like, this is, this right, is all yeah. I asked for. Put this in my veins. I, you know, everything. one of the cool things about this is that this is a relatively big budget movie. You said what, ninety million dollars for the budget here? Yeah, like they gave him a lot of money, which I think they had to know there was no way it was. Yeah, gonna I make mean, it I, back, I guess it's basically impossible for it to do. Not that. my problem. Yeah, exactly. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fuck a co- Oh yeah, Ethan Hawke is in this. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. It took me, like, two scenes to be like, is that... Yeah, right, yeah. I had no idea. So, uh... It it, it just... I think one of the things I like about this movie is that it just plays it straight away. This is how I want it to work. It's not going to play, like, one of those big, uh... Not big budget, I guess is the word. I guess one of those blockbuster ones where they sort of dumb it down for the audience. This is not dumbed down for the audience at all. 
uh, it's still easy to follow as far as I could tell. The one thing that makes it very difficult, and I almost think that people ought to be going to open caption showings, is the way that they say everyone's name. Parker, here's a here's a little pop quiz. What is the name of the main character? Could not tell yeah. you with a gun to what's my a, head. I have what's no the name earthly of his idea. Uncle? Yeah, it starts with an F, F yeah. right? I had to look it up. Look, I mean, fantasy is my weak point anyways, because I can't deal with all the names and hierarchies and family trees. And if it's adult fantasy, there's usually like two or three rapes going on. Right. So I just, the whole genre I was very is happy, by the way, no sexual assault in this movie. That, that made me feel good. Yeah, I as soon as he was with the Vikings, I was like, "Uh oh, yeah, good idea." Beforehand. <laughs> yeah, got real lucky. Yeah, got so lucky. Uh, it just—I don't know. It's just the way that everyone says everything. It feels like every single vowel that's pronounced in this movie has two dots above it. Not that there's anything wrong with it. Okay, so uh, I struggle enough as it is with twenty-six years. Yeah. <laughs> they just introduced some new ones, so. Yeah, this is a weird comparison to make, but I also felt like there was a bit of a an analogous sort of thing with another movie that I like quite a bit, How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> uh, it feels like not a, <laughs> not really very similar movies here, but they're both about dragons, and it's about this young kid who's got his, you know, his dad's in there. And uh, If they had had a fucking dragon in this movie, I think, actually, I think it would have ruined it in a way. I think the movie kind of works as as well as it does Specifically, there's like a scene in The Witch that I really like. And not to give too much away about The Witch, but Robert Eager said it's like, if you pay attention, you have a really close eye on things, you can see that there's a specific type of mold growing on some of their vegetables that has been said, according to research, that if you ingest this, then it can lead to hallucinations. And that's like the secret explanation of The Witch. There are various scenes in uh, The Northman that explain all the strange goings on, you know? Like, there's a scene at one point where uh, some of the, like, the bad guys just start killing themselves, you know, and going insane and stuff like that. It's like, that's because of the soup that Anya Taylor-Joy cooked. And the movie does not bother to explain this. They, the movie just says, look, you gotta pick this up, right? Now, that being said... They all drink yeah. the soup, you watch yeah. them all do it, and then they all start freaking yeah. out and screaming. Put exactly. two and two together, or fucking... I want Go yeah exactly. I want to contrast this with like the Tom Cruise mummy. That you know, so like here's the oh. downside: this movie's not going to make its money back in China. They're not going to understand it because you're not going to have a scene that's explaining what's happening here, what's going on here. Robert Eggers doesn't seem to give a fuck. Not going to have the same yeah. flashback, <laughs> right? Exactly. Times. They would show like they they yeah, would show everyone. Uh, they would show everyone okay. taking a like a, a spoonful of soup up to their mouths, and Alexander Skarsgård like. Just dropping it onto the floor, doing like the like Kronk and like the Emperor's New Groove, just like right behind his head. <laughs> and let's talk about Skarsgård in this movie. He he is first of all his he looks monstrous. <laughs> yeah, he he's is. He's show. fucking he, sure. walking like he's got forward head like this. He's like walking around, and his head's like out to here <laughs> the entire time. I'm just like finally <laughs> representation for my people. <laughs> <laughs> our cro magnum boys finally <laughs> he is a goddamn monster yeah. i've seen the trailer for this like a million times and every single time i see it i always pop really hard for the scene where he catches the spear and throws it back it still works in the movie man oh. I, even when i knew it was coming it was just like oh yeah <laughs> it awakens something yeah. primal within you he's like fuck yeah dude yeah. I know we're not going scene by scene. I think it's almost better that we don't go scene by scene because this is a movie that kind of works better. I think if you just sort of experience it as it goes, um, I think we could just jump around and say various things that we liked. Uh, as for as far as Nicole Kidman, I've heard a lot of people really praising her monologue, uh, which, by the way, I thought was a very fucked up moment of the movie. But uh, also, the, I have to admit, it was very well delivered, and it also I think I saw it coming. I think I saw it coming ever since the trailer, just like Knives Out, because when she was, uh, <laughs> when, when she's revealed, she has this really sourpuss look on her face. I'm like, what the fuck are you sad about? Your husband's back. You should be happy. I'm like, oh, there's betrayal. Yeah. Uh, when she comes back and she says all that stuff to him, I was like, I, like I that knew voice. that was coming. <laughs> I knew that that had to be coming. But that was, yeah. 
That monologue is pretty great, though, just to turn the entire movie on its head without any remorse whatsoever. I mean, one of the things that he says in the movie is, my entire life has been about revenge. And I'm like, people really need to think about that. Because this movie almost seems like, not a rebuttal of movies that are like that, but almost like, no, this is what it's really like. So you watch, honestly, some John Carpenter movies are like that, where you're like, you're the lone badass or something like that. What if you lived your life by one obsessive thought, and that was all you dedicated your life to? You're not necessarily going to be a good person. And that, uh, and this is what it was. Yeah. And that thought is completing yeah. a list, no matter what. I'm going to get there. So when he's when we say badass, there's a lot more emphasis on bad than ass here. Like Alexander Skarsgård's uh, character, he takes part in some really terrible things, like the first Viking raid that you see. It's like, he's not a nice person it's not just the fact that he kills people violently he takes part in cruelty and like i'm specifically thinking of the scene where he stands by as that uh as that hut is set on fire with people inside of it i mean that is extraordinarily cruel and you think of like any other like lone superhero you know sort of thing they would uh you know let the people go out the back or something like that you know just because he's violent you doesn't mean he's cruel this no this man is cruel he doesn't care about other people. He's not interested in other people. He lives his life for one purpose. To exact revenge upon... What the hell he saves? Fjolnir. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Which, by the way... Oh, this is cool. This is, yeah, I like doing this. I, I read this on Wikipedia. His, his title is Fjolnir the Brotherless. Because he killed his brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. good by the way for anyone wondering at home if you haven't seen this movie yet you can have a little leg up on the other members of the audience uh alexander skarsgård plays a character named amleth depending on who's saying it <laughs> i can say amleth or amleth. man <laughs> it's it's tough see because i remember i saw the lighthouse at home oh. i didn't see it in theaters so i had subtitles from watch number one lucky I was desperate Dude. for subtitles. <laughs> I, I am very excited to see this again at home with subtitles on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the other thing that I really like about this movie is the way that it's shot. The cinematography is spectacular, and it's not... It's, it's different from a lot of movies where they use the same sort of shots over and over again. Like, John Ford. When John Ford, when he shot his westerns, he was really good at those sweeping expanses of the desert. With this, he does so many different things so well. He could have like one like lone camera moving in from shot to shot for a big battle scene or something like that. One that falls Skarsgård at the at the opening Viking raid, right? It's a great shot. But he could also have this big wide open shot when he's being carried off on a horseback, you know. And it's so much fun to watch this happen this way. And uh, I I just really like the way that it looks. Also, the the use of uh, natural lighting. Like the shadows and, and fire pits, and the way that it, it illuminates certain characters. This is stuff I haven't seen since Barry Lyndon. You know, uh, it's uh, fascinating, oh, dude. All of the cave scenes, oh, yeah. Yeah. plural. All those pitch black caves, just lit only by a fire in the middle. While they're giving these crazy monologues, Willem Dafoe just being everything you want him to be, lit only by a torch. Oh my god, dude. This is what now, I live for. you say this is what you live for, Parker, I, there may be a bit of bias here. Uh, also, by the way, I just edited the Morbius episode. I almost called it more bias. <laughs> or more BS. Boom. <laughs> count it. And one. So, for... <laughs> That's what I say about CNN Plus closing down. <laughs> Put Fucking that one out there the opening of the podcast. So, <laughs> you said to me a while back, you're thinking about transitioning and just become a metal guy. I would say retransitioning, become a metal guy. I think you've always been one secretly. This movie, yeah. I mean, after this watching movie. this, it's, it's happening. A modern Marth is right. going on the playlist, and I'm about to do some deep squats. It's Man, happening. Honestly, like, how come this movie hits the aesthetic of the cover of a heavy metal album better than that brutal legend by Tim Schafer? <laughs> <laughs> Because it's fucking yeah. real. There's no winking, right, yeah. which there should be. <laughs> but I think there were, yeah. Any scene from this movie, I'm ready oh, to yeah, ride absolutely. into battle. Like, that's, you know, I've always thought about, here's a concept of, like, Valkyries. 
Like we we think about Valkyries in the like the the woman riding like a horse. She's got like the helmet with like the wings on and everything. And the da 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 da. And I've always thought to myself, that's not particularly threatening. And not just because she's sorry, not because she's a girl, but more so the fact that like you know you play like like a cheesy little song and everything. The helmet with the wings. I don't know. I'm not. I think I could take you. Like, if I had a gun and you just had a spear, I don't know, I, could, I think I could take it. Whereas in this movie, at least the way that it's shot and filmed and everything, I'm like, holy shit, that's so badass. And and the thing is, it, it makes sense, like, in the context, it's part of the narrative, that scene, the reason that it happens. And it's only, like, a brief scene, but it was important enough to show in the trailer. Uh, the other scene I really liked was, uh, was Bjork's... Very brief uh, role in this movie. I think she was in there for like less than a minute. And I still haven't stopped thinking about it. Because it, it's it got so much power. It's like this one person who you don't even know if she was even real as far as I can tell. And yet she gave him this information. And who knows how she came across this information. Much like a very similar movie. The sister movie of this, uh, of this film, 300. Uh, maybe it was an oracle and she did drugs in order to figure out where he was supposed to go. <laughs> I'm going to keep comparing this to the Zack Snyder movie and ruin it. <laughs> That's fine. Good. Get us some new fans <laughs> slash lifelong <laughs> I mean, I just love the embracing of magic. Because mm-hmm. like, you can interpret it as like, oh, yes, if they retold the story, of course they would describe yeah. it this way. It didn't actually yeah. happen. Or you could interpret it as like, yeah, it happened. Why not? I think the movie. So I, I think I interpret sure. it a different way. Is like you can interpret it as using magic, or you can say there is a rational explanation. It's just not portrayed that way. So a good scene would be the scene where like the dogs start attacking, and you can hear him like howling at the moon. Uh, I'm like maybe his howls are driving them mad and attacking all those people. Maybe Anya Taylor Joy, fed sorry Olga, fed all of them some like fucked up herbs. Or something that, that made him go rab and started to attack everyone. Who knows? That's a possibility. Also, Parker, as a, was that Ezra Miller as his half brother? Because <laughs> it kind of looked like him, right? <laughs> <laughs> really did, honestly. All I know is that scene where they're all just around the campfire, just beating on drums. And oh, chanting dude, but they got about... the. Like spilling blood for Odin and going to Valhalla. Did you want to be there? Because I wanted to be there. I'm ready ready to die tonight, dude. I am ready to go to hell right now. I I wanted to go, man. I was like, can we start a bonfire? Can we just get some shields and stuff like that? I just want to start howling. Shed your skin. Like, oh, that's right. I'm going to be a wolf tonight, baby. Let's fucking So let's get get fucking deep for a second. I have a feeling that there's a lot of people who question what masculinity is what it means to be a man and it usually it's like conservatives who come up with this sort of thing and they write sub stacks about this sort of shit i feel that like every single guy if you got this in within you like somehow biologically like it doesn't matter if you're gay or even if you're trans somehow like if you have a little bit of a y chromosome in you you watch this movie something primal awakens something's gotta be there you know like, they're, especially, again, those fucking campfire scenes with the fucking drums and the, and the shield and the spear. I'm like, oh my god. And when he catches the spear and throws it back, something within me awoken. I may have been standing up and chanting along with him. I can't guarantee. I, I, I disassociated for a moment while I was watching this. But uh, what does it mean to be a man? Yeah, I'm the Watch biggest this. coward I know, and I was ready. <laughs> I was ready just to start shoving people. <laughs> you just want to mosh. I want someone to hit me so fucking bad, dude. I just want someone to fucking hit me. Oh, God, this, please. This movie is an Oklahoma drill. It's... it's <laughs> you know, if you want to like narrow this down to a meme, it's just that, that yes guy with a beard and everything. Yeah, it's that guy. He's just... <laughs> Men will literally try to kill their uncle before going to therapy. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Men will devote their entire adult life to yes. rescuing his mom just for his mom to go, uh, no. <laughs> no. Incorrect. You were supposed this, to be dead, too. This was too. my idea. Why, why are you ruining him. this for me? Please. Why did you show up and fuck oh, up damn. my whole life? Now my son is crying because you... you <laughs> dismembered his friends and nailed them to the wall. <laughs> and nailed it like, it like it looks like a fucking horse sort of thing. It was just like, oh. But like, I also like that he did this and it 
it only shows that shot, like, kind of briefly. It doesn't show him, like, putting it into order or anything like that. Like, oh, I'm going to do this. It fits together like a puzzle. It's like, no, you just see there, just like, he is capable of, it goes beyond cruelty or violence or gore. It's almost like creativity here. It, it, it's like uh, Silence of the Lambs where he crucifies that guy. You really yeah. hate these dudes. Like, boy, you had some time. You guys sleep? Are you okay? Would you like to talk about this? Uh... <laughs> I also want to get back to Anya Taylor-Joy. She's just so good in this. Just, like, little things that she does with, like, her very large eyes. Uh, <laughs> with, like, head movements and everything like that. Obviously, the way she delivers her line, she's quite good. Uh, I also like to shout out to Willem Dafoe, who I think is basically A-list, right? And he takes this, like, 30-second role in the movie, and it's extremely memorable. Oh, yeah, like, him and Bjork's scenes, I'm going to remember. Mm-hmm. Especially his second scene. Oh, yeah. Will be with me yeah. forever. That fucking terrifying looking head just talking in his voice. Yes. Oh. Oh, that's beautiful. I think, like, a top movie moment of the entire year for me, when all said and done, will just be getting to the title card that just says... The night blade yes. feeds, <laughs> and feeling the adrenaline start pumping in my body of like, oh my right, fucking dude. god! I've never been more amped up for the next ten minutes. I mean, life. you hear the night the night blade uh, feeds. You said the night blade feeds, yeah. So they, there is a blade in this movie. Yeah. We, the blade being sword for all of our listeners. Uh, when you when you can only pull it out at night. There's actually a humorous scene later on. A guy tries to pull it at night. It doesn't work. That feels like a fucking. Any, like, fantasy RPG sort of shit, and it's like, you can't put that in a movie because it's like, no, in this one it works. And it's so cool. I I, I was really impressed. Also, oh, I just remembered the scene. We have to talk about Can we talk about the game? <laughs> Dude. Oh my god. Fucking Quidditch? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to describe it, dude. I was thinking of, like, the game that, like, the ancient Aztecs had to play, like, fucking Road to El Dorado, where you, like, bounce the ball off your hip through a hoop. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Or, or like, I was thinking also, like, the beginning of uh, of Braveheart, where you just, it's just stone tossing. Well, in this, or actually, okay, so here's the embarrassing <laughs> one. When I was watching it, I was thinking of Whackbat from uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah good, so actually. it's basically like i guess it's golf and quidditch combined something like that and or i guess like field hockey and cricket combined or whatever the thing is where you have to hit like a wicket anyway uh he is uh part of this thing against <laughs> he, he for the movie he's basically a berserker uh and he's going against some other guy who's i don't know how to describe it uh, even more of a berserker and uh, he's clearly learning this game as it goes on. It's like, huh, I didn't know you could just kill people on the ground in order to win. That changes my whole strategy. This guy, who he's going against, his opponent in this movie, is such a berserker. He is about ready to, like, fucking destroy the uh, the village elder's son. Like, he's about to send that kid's head to the planets. <laughs> And uh, luckily he stopped by Alexander Skarsgård. I was like, you have no idea how lucky you are. <laughs> that kid is wearing a cape. <laughs> like, he might as well be holding a scepter as he goes, Daddy, Daddy, I'm going to score the point, Daddy. <laughs> you want to know exactly what, what it reminded me of? It's going to ruin the scene for you. When the children would play against the NFL mascots and the fucking Vikings wanted to stiff arm that kid out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> he just shoves him to the I thought about it as like the little cancer stricken kid who's like three years old he's like oh my one last play before I die and then one like 260 pound linebacker jacks him up <laughs> just like the throat cut over <laughs> keep it out on a swivel kid everyone's looking around like Dude, Coach said, let him just murder the king's son. And he yelled, hey, play to the whistle, buddy. Play to the whistle. Oh, I got a free shot. He's about to send that kid's head, like, to a different solar system. (laughs) He's going to cave in a 12-year-old's head over this stupid game that's not real. I don't know if it's like his freedom is on the line. It's like, yeah, you're not going to get your freedom if you kill the king's son. That's that's just the way it works. (laughs) Well, rules yeah. is rules. Uh, I do. Oh, you're murdering. So, like, me. here's one of the Great. other cool things about it. I'm not necessarily sure that it's subverting the genre or subverting the narrative necessarily, but when we say the king, the king is being used very fast and loose here, defining Fjolnir. So, 
in all these other revenge movies, this guy has, he killed your father, he took your mother, and you have to avenge their, their deaths. This guy is a king, and he's like, oh, it's going to be so tough to kill him. It's like, this guy's a sheep herder, you know? This guy is uh, basically a village elder, you know? It's so much different than uh, a lot of the other ones where you want that dramatic victory. And there is a dramatic victory in here. The ending scene is extremely exciting. We'll get to that. But but for this one, it's it's different. Like, his mom doesn't even want him anymore. She never really even liked that guy. Plus, uh, the guy is not even in power. It should be relatively easy to kill him, actually. You know, you just get close enough. And... But, uh... Instead, it's just like the, yeah. what do they call him? Don't she call him like yeah, chieftain yeah, something a- afterwards? Yeah, like he's exactly. not even the king anymore. So like, that's the thing is like revenge doesn't care about that. Revenge is all about getting it done, and I think that's where the movie saying no. This is what someone who's entirely driven by revenge and violence would be like, and it works. I'd say wonderfully. I think Robert Eggers is not just a great director; he's really a great storyteller. And that's one of the things that works well. But it always helps when you can set a nude sword oh my fight God. on a My volcano. heart is pounding again. Just the fight to the death at an active right? volcano. Because like, they keep saying we're going to fight in the gates of hell. And then it shows the volcano again. I just lean forward like, do you, do you think they're going to do it? Do you think they're actually going to do it? And my God. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's one of my favorite moments of movies. Like, I will beat you at the gates of hell. And then it's just like the Norse letter and it says the gates of hell, but only with one L <laughs> in just, hell. You see in the distance, you're like, like, please, oh. please, I'm begging. I don't ask for much movie. Please give me this. Yes. And boy, <laughs> I love to watch a movie where our main character lives his entire life seeking revenge only to find out that the people he's trying to avenge do not want him and wanted him dead. And then have a chance to turn his life around and marry this woman, have two kids, and then go get revenge anyways for no reason and then die. Love to watch this as toxic masculinity. <laughs> People are fucking stupid, man. But you know what? I, I think that there was something towards the end. I don't, I don't want to give away anything here, but the last shot you see of Anya Taylor Joy, uh, I think that contrasts well with uh, how uh, or his story, his story comes to an end, uh, and his uncle's story comes to an end. Uh, that shot of Anya Taylor-Joy and him ascending into Valhalla, I felt like there was something supernatural going on there. And when I say supernatural, I think there was like a religious sort of sentiment that he fulfilled what whatever his religion would say would be honor. I don't think that what he well, did yeah, was particularly yeah. Christian, but, you know, in terms what? of, like, Viking lore, it's like, yeah, it, it gets you up in the Hall of Heroes. Yeah, but what does he think is going to happen to her when that boat lands? Ah, these kids she... are the king now. Uh, guess again. Yeah, was, uh, you know what? That's a fair point. Don't take the fun out of this movie, all right? We'll save it for the Northmen, too. <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was kind of tasteless to have him get to the gates of Valhalla and then Vulture flies in and he's like, Spider-Man has something to do with this. I really felt this shit was ended earlier. <laughs> Um, well, you know, I I did I didn't appreciate when you texted me that you were just waiting for Major Glory to show up. <laughs> so, like, is the infragable crunk at the volcano, or is he waiting for him, or is he show up like Nick Fury? What? Are, let's get to I, it, guys. I do not know, Puppet Pal Parker. <laughs> Monkey show up. A bonk on the arm. Okay, so. <laughs> What else about this movie is really cool? Um, uh, not a fan of the numerous horse decapitations. Yeah, I, I bet the little lady was not uh, less than pleased. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, does it just look like he's laying down? I'm like, no, his head is off. She went, oh, and just did not look at the screen for a couple minutes. He killed the shit out of those okay. horses. I didn't appreciate it. This is one specifically for Alex, if he ever listens to this. Uh I know that you couldn't get more than five minutes through the new God of War because that kid was too annoying. Try playing this one, right? The kid isn't in the movie for very long. He's not even that annoying when he's in it. So this this reminded me a lot of the aesthetic of God of War, the 2018 version. Not just because there's a lot of Norse lettering, although that helps. But it's also like there's a singular mission that you are trying to do. You know, and you're trying not to get too distracted. I will say it was kind of interesting, like the interplay between Anya Taylor-Joy and Alexander Skarsgård, because... 
if I was her, I would be on my guard. He seems like he would just kill her for no for no reason, whatever. If she were to even accidentally suggest the wrong thing to him, you know. Yeah, he makes me very nervous. Even though I know yeah. he's the hero and like I know what his intentions are, I'm still like this dude could just fucking snap at any moment. Yeah, you know, hard to call him the hero. Uh, he he does some yeah because again things. like. When we see all the Viking scenes, like, in the aftermath, you know, like, they bring in a girl and he just, like, leaves disgusted. But it's like, yeah, but you just murdered, like, a hundred people for no reason. Yeah. You're still a bad person. Yeah, exactly. That being said, his uncle's not exactly great either. Obviously, betraying your own brother uh, and taking your brother's bride is uh, not the nicest thing in the world to do. But also, there is, I th- I don't know, I guess you call it an attempted rape scene on uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, to which... Uh, I, I will say a kind of creative way for her to uh, stop it. Just pulling up her dress and showing, hey, bleeding today. Nice try. <laughs> and then just pie-facing him with his, like, hey, you know what? She's she's a squirrely one. <laughs> Gotta yeah. give her some credit. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, uh, I quite liked it. And I guess we could just talk about more, like, outside the movie. This is, like, my third favorite movie of the year, which is, in any other year, this would probably be, like, my number one. But Everything Everywhere is quite clearly at the top and I have to admit Jackass Forever is still strong too uh, there was a there were no weak scenes there yeah but like this one is like strong number three and I wish there would be more movies like this and unfortunately there's almost no way this could make its money back right oh no I mean, but they had to have known like yeah. there's no way they thought like this is gonna be a crossover hit this movie this could was... not be less for big audiences yeah well, that's the thing. It's like, I think a lot of guys are going to go for this, though. A lot of guys, if you, they're going to go see it, yeah. But then again, it's also kind of a tough time for releases because you just had everything everywhere. And I know that's probably not going to make a tremendous amount of money, but we've got fucking Dumbledore just came out. Um, well, that's Doctor not making too much either. Don't yeah, worry. well, Doctor Strange is coming out soon. So people are, like, choosing here and there. Like, oh, I'm going to go see this. I'm going to go see that. Ambulance made its money back. So. Hell yeah. We not, did it, boys. Nothing wrong with that. And, of course, Morbius Sweep is still in full effect here. So that's, Well, that's obviously numbers right. one through five on my list. Right, yeah. Uh, man, The Northman is the kind of movie where just keep giving Robert Eggers blank checks. Is like, let's just use the studio's money for that shit because it's so much fun to see what he does. I did like the interview he did recently where someone's like, why don't you do a, mo- a movie during uh, like contemporary times? And he was like, no. Why would I? Everyone yeah. else does that. Yeah, it's like, I, every time period interests me except for the current one we're living in. I was like, more money to this guy. This guy because owns. current time is a nightmare, and there's less witchcraft. Yes, I, uh, I want witches. I want to enter a dark cave and have Bjork appear and like tell me riddles about shedding my last tear and getting revenge, and then disappearing in a cloud of dust. That's what I want. I want to engage in a home gun. That's the <laughs> that was the uh, <laughs> that was a fight they had on the uh, on the fucking volcano. There, there's someone called Wait. a house Carl. What the fuck is a house Carl, dude? <laughs> oh, oh no, no, yeah, not, not even gonna tread that way. It's fine. That's this fine. is just fun. Just looking at the Wikipedia, I'm like, I know this is like really shitty for podcasts, but like, there's a character, there's an actor named Ingvar Egert Sigurdsson who plays He Witch. I'd love to see that. Yeah, absolutely love to see that. Yeah. This is this is one of those movies that's like gonna stick with me for a while. Which, by the way, it's over two hours. Didn't even feel the length at all. Not even like a second. I was like so fucking fine with the pacing. I, I think that's a, like a one criticism. I keep reading people had like some troubles with the pacing. I don't think I felt that. I think it was totally fine the entire way. Yeah, I didn't really have any issues. And just I got to see it on the XD screen and just such oh. a gorgeous movie. My God. Yeah. So fucking beautiful to look at. Even if I yeah. can't tell what they're saying, like I'm just gonna stare at those mountains back there. It's fine. Yeah, this is that. You know, it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna be able to watch this with subtitles, and I will actually know what's going on the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people who play like Japanese games that weren't translated yet, and be like, "Oh, this is really good. If I could understand the story, it'd be a ten out of 10. I personally translated Pokemon Gold line by line. <laughs> <laughs> 
all-time great yeah. lore. This is our this documentary about the original Earthman. Okay, well, I think we've exhausted everything about uh, the Northwind. Do you have anything else about it? Uh, great movie for half of you. Uh, interminable, won't finish for the other half. And uh, you know who you are. If you watch that trailer, yeah. you know in your heart it's not two hours of Viking sieges. Like, you know what this is. Either you're into it or you're not. And yeah. Hey, no harm, no foul. It's whatever. Yeah, if you want a movie not for everyone, hey, everybody. Top Gun Maverick's coming out next month. Yeah. So, Half of you won't enjoy Ghost Shark, and uh, it's pretty yeah. handless movies I've watched this year. Dude. Should we just save <laughs> for that for very next... different reasons? Let's save Ghost Shark oh, yeah, for next not... week's episode. I want it. I took notes oh, yeah, absolutely. on it. Absolutely. And also, there's so much to say for that movie. <laughs> I have many notes. Yeah. That, oh, yeah, that's absolutely happening next yeah. week. That's. <laughs> And that's the tea, sis.